Listener Production. Hello and welcome to The Briefing. I'm Antoinette Latouf. No headlines today. We're taking a well-earned break. So many of us will be waking up this morning with a chocolate hangover, perhaps even swearing off the chockies for good. But stay with me for a new sort of treat. There's a growing movement in Australia called craft chocolate. Think craft beer or craft coffee. Craft chocolate. So just a few years ago, there were only a dozen craft chocolate makers and now there's almost 40. It's a booming industry. And the good news is it's sustainable. It's supporting local communities in developing countries and taking practices like child slavery off the agenda. Brett Holmes is the co-owner of Two Pilots Chocolates and he joins us now. Brett, I'm fascinated by your story because you were a pilot and now you make chocolate. Tell me how that happened. The pandemic started and we found ourselves with just a little bit too much free time. No one was flying and things weren't looking great. So like all good ideas, it started over a beer and we thought, why not have a crack at making some chocolate? Speaking of beer, craft beer is a growing market, but now you're in the business of craft chocolate. And tell me exactly what that is. Yeah, so craft chocolate's really starting to take off the last couple of years. I think five years ago, there was only about a dozen makers in Australia. We're now up to about 36. The big difference with craft chocolate is focusing on the the cocoa beans and, you know, the different countries growing cocoa beans have a lot of different flavour in those beans and, and really trying to highlight the individuality there rather than trying to, to mellow them all out to taste the same like you need to do if you're trying to make tonnes and tonnes. So it's really just focusing on the individual flavours you can get from different growing regions and, and trying to make the best flavourful chocolate you can. So how do you source your beans and and what makes this process sustainable? Yeah, it hasn't been easy. Um, Australia doesn't really grow cocoa. We grow a little bit in Queensland, but not a lot. So most of ours comes from the Pacific Islands, Samoa, Solomon Islands and Papua New Guinea. The cocoa industry is a little bit of a dirty industry. Mostly in Africa, they have a lot of problem with deforestation, child slavery, all that kind of stuff, which is obviously not ideal. So we've tried to partner with people we know so that we can sort of keep an eye on the supply chain and make sure that everyone along the way is being treated fairly, that it's being grown sustainably. And a lot of people around Easter will have chocolate hangovers, you know, consumed far too much of the supermarket variety. You know, I'm going to declare I'm a Cadbury girl here. What's your sell? How can you convince me to eat your chocolate? What is different, better, unique? Mostly it is in the flavour. We do a lot of work at the farmer's market. That's probably where we sell most of our chocolate. And, and people come up to you and you, you know, you, you're asking them to pay a bit extra for a bar of chocolate. But once you have a taste of it, it's nothing alike. Obviously, I eat a lot of chocolate. Mm-hmm. I'm Australian, so we eat Cadbury. But once I started to taste the chocolate that was out there from, from different makers around the world, I realised that you know, there's no such thing as chocolate flavour. Once you start to taste the different chocolates, there's, there's just a whole range of things going on. And, you know, there's a whole world of chocolate to explore. And look, and, and you did mention the price. It is a lot more expensive than a regular bar of chocolate, which you can get for a couple of dollars. I mean, how much yeah. does your bar or block cost? And how can you compete? Yeah, I mean, you can get 200 grams of Cabri on special for like two bucks, um, whereas we're $9 for a 70-gram bar. 
Yeah, uh, wow. A lot of that comes down to the cost of cocoa. So the the commodity price of cocoa, you know, the, the bulk price is only a dollar fifty a kilo or two dollars a kilo or something. But this is what results in child slavery and deforestation in third world countries. And obviously, a lot of the big manufacturers are trying to, you know, they they try to have rainforest alliance and fair trade certified and stuff like that. But I mean, there's a, a lawsuit going on at the moment. Some former child slaves in Africa, in, from Mali, I believe, are suing. Hershey's and um, Nestle for knowingly contributing to their slavery. So, you know, the big companies do have a bit of a, you know, I mean, to be harsh, they've got blood on their hands. Nestle came out and said that if they had to guarantee there was no child slavery, their chocolate would have to go up in price. I say if more expensive chocolate is the cost of no child slavery, then you need to pay more for chocolate. So what is it that you're able to do to ensure that your production line is ethical and sustainable? given that it's offshore, you know, it's easy when it's out of sight to be out of mind. Yeah. And a lot of companies, you know, they take advantage of that. They, they say, oh, well, it's, it didn't happen on our hands. It happened before us and there's nothing we can do about that. But that's, that's not entirely true. We only deal with a couple of different sources for our cocoa. And in two of the three cases, they're, they're family sources. So we deal with an Australian who is related to the cocoa growers and we deal with co-ops where it's the farmers getting together to sell their product rather than them being selling it to a, a third party who's pushing down prices all they can. And we don't negotiate on price. They tell us what they need to be paid and we just pay that. Because once you start pushing down prices in, in third world countries, it puts them under pressure because you know they need the money. They've grown stuff. They need to sell it because they need food. So once you start pushing them down on prices, they have to do unethical things to make ends meet. What can you tell me about the health benefits or are there health benefits to the sort of chocolate you make? Because we, we also know that people are increasingly concerned about weight and diabetes and waistlines. Does your chocolate help in that way? Chocolate is a sweet treat. <laughs> it's not kale. Um, <laughs> not kale. I like that. That's a good marketing campaign. It is not kale. <laughs> if you are kale, eat kale. <laughs> If you look at dark chocolates compared to the more sugary milk chocolates, um, most of ours are 70% dark chocolate, which when you look at the big brands, they can become quite bitter. But because we do focus on the the flavor of the cacao, you often get a, a fruitiness coming through or a smokiness coming through. So we actually go that higher percentage to highlight those flavors rather than just relying on sugar as the flavour, essentially. So who is your your buyer? Uh, presumably not children who just want, you know, what's within reach and to get that sugar hit as quickly as possible. How would you describe who your consumer is? Yeah, we found it impossible to describe, to be honest. We, we do have children come up and buy a bar and I'm thinking that's a lot of pocket money for a bar of chocolate. <laughs> It's people from all walks of life, young and old, men, women, we got kids, we got like every demographic just loves chocolate. That was Brett Holmes, co-owner of Two Pilots Chocolate. Chris Brown and his partner Alison Pierce started Bean Bar You back in 2016. It's a chocolate subscription service. So you sign up and receive a box of different types and brands of chocolates each month. Chris Brown, thanks for joining us on The Briefing. How did you hear about this craft chocolate movement? 
my wife and I, Alison, were living in Ireland and uh, she discovered this chocolate subscription thing and gave me a few hints, but I missed them all. And so she ordered it for herself <laughs> in the end for Christmas. And that was fine. She was enjoying it. And she said, you got to try this. You got to try this. And I always thought chocolate was kind of tasteless or sweet. Anyway, eventually she got me to taste a little bit and I couldn't believe the flavors. I thought there was like a raspberry or apricot or something added to it, but it was just the cacao bean. So we just sort of got interested and started learning about how chocolate was actually made and discovering this world of craft chocolate where people uh, really focus on these flavors and they tell the story about the cacao farmers and the products that they make. It's, it's not just the chocolate, but it's the packaging and the story and the entire experience of enjoying a chocolate bar and understanding where it comes from. It just became addictive. And then when we moved home to Sydney, I thought, oh, we'll just sign up to the, the same thing in Australia, but there wasn't one. So we decided we'd start one and get access to all these amazing chocolates that we discovered from Europe and America, which weren't available in Australia. So now you've started your own subscription service. How's, how has that grown? Yeah, so six years ago, um, when we moved back, there were 12 Australian chocolate makers and we found a, a couple of keen chocolate lovers that were interested and aware of the bean to bar or craft chocolate movement. We call it a chocolate adventure. So we're on a mission to try and find everyone's perfect chocolate bar. You don't make the chocolate, you source it and then offer it in a subscription model? That's right. So we order chocolates from people who just make chocolate from the bean and roast the cacao bean and make their chocolate. There's now 35 chocolate makers in Australia, which has grown from the 12 that was in um, 2016. Yeah, so and are they all part of your service? We have so many subscribers now that many of these chocolate makers make small batches and it's a bit difficult for them to create the number of bars that we need. So it's kind of special. We have these chocolate makers that often create batches of bars just for us, which is really special, but there's new ones pop up every day. So they need some time to get up to speed and work on their product, but eventually we get them in the box as soon as we can. So what other sorts of things are people curious about when they come to you? Oh, I think people are most blown away by the flavours that jump out at them from just cacao beans and a little bit of sugar. Things from apricots to sultanas to mushrooms to Mushrooms? Uh, Did you say mushrooms? Yeah, there's definitely a, like a whole sort of mushroom palette. It's, it's quite incredible. There's actually more flavour compounds in cacao than there are in grapes, so red wine. Mm. So the fermentation of the cacao and the drying and then the roasting. So that's why I think craft chocolate makers usually work direct with the cacao producers to work on those aspects because then they can get the flavours kept in the bean and mm. they can really bring that out in the chocolate. There's a story yeah, no, and a journey only, behind every bar. Absolutely. And so not only does it taste amazing, it's making a difference in the supply chain and that's really, I think, something that, that keeps us going and the craft chocolate makers don't make much money so it's very expensive so the more that they can make and sell the more they can support the people that really need it. So that was Chris Brown. He's the co-owner of the subscription chocolate business Bean Bar U. So yeah it is expensive and you don't really know what you're going to get but if you're adventurous and all have deep pockets it may well be worth a try. We'll be back in full swing tomorrow with the headlines and the cost of living. 
for the many Australians where subscriptions aren't even an option and covering living expenses is a daily struggle. Listener.